0: Well, good to see you all tonight, and welcome. We're going to look together at John chapter 13, verses 1 to 20. It's found on page 900 of your Pew Bible, if you want to go ahead and begin turning there. This past Sunday, Palm Sunday, Uh, David gave us a picture of Jesus as King of creation, King of the city, King of the temple. As he enters Jerusalem on that donkey, we see him with his majesty on full display, Tonight, we take a zoomed in look on that upper room as he gathers with his disciples. And there we get to see his humility on full display. So let's look at God's word together. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Father, we ask for you to come and be with us in this moment. Would you open our hearts to hear from you? Would you open my mouth to speak what's from you? And may we have an encounter with the living Lord Jesus through his spirit. We come in his name. Amen. It's safe to say that uh, feet aren't the most popular part of the human body. They get a bad rap from things like odor, appearance, cleanliness, fungus. I've come to find out that in other parts of the world, feet have an even worse reputation. Uh, While Michelle and I were in Cambodia last fall, we received a lesson in just how poorly feet are thought of in some parts of the world. And so we were preparing to attend a meeting of one of the cell churches there, a meeting where everyone will be sitting on the ground. And amongst all of the cultural differences, amongst all the things that they could make sure we knew, there were two clear ground rules going in. Rule number one was take your shoes off because your feet are going to be dirty. Number two was, never let the bottom of your foot point at someone else. Whether you're sitting, whether you're getting up, whether you're stepping over someone, never let the bottom of your foot point at someone else. You see, for them, because the foot is the lowest part of the body, it's considered impure. Some would even say it's where evil resides in the human. And so it's considered extremely disrespectful uh, to ever have someone's foot pointed at you, much less to come in contact with a foot. Now in Jesus' day, feet may not have communicated the same kind of disres- uh, disrespect, but they certainly represented filth. And so as Jesus enters this upper room, there would be no more humble task than the washing of the feet. So in Jesus comes, sandals are removed, feet are dirty. The basin and the towel are prepared. The meal is served, and still everyone has avoided the feet. Until Jesus rises, removes his garments, takes a towel, and begins to wash. You see, Jesus moved towards those dirty feet. Friends, that's good news for us tonight, because the dirt on those feet doesn't begin to compare to the dirt on our souls, to the dirt in this world And just as Jesus moved toward the dirty feet, he moves towards dirty people, and he begins to wash. So two implications of this story that I want us to see tonight as we remember Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. First, is that you must be washed by grace. And second, is that you must wash others with his grace. That is to say, your identity and your activity must be joined together. So first we'll examine what it is to be washed by grace. To be washed by grace is to receive the free, undeserved, unmerited cleansing of Jesus. And though that may seem clear, that may seem obvious to those in this room, it's important to remember just how easily we distort this great truth. And so there's two errors that are exemplified by who else but Peter here in this passage. The first error, we look at verse 8. Peter in all of his boldness You shall never wash my feet In effect saying I don't need your help Now I read this as somebody who has a hard time asking for help I just ask my wife about my efforts to fix anything around the house Without asking someone else for help Uh, But I'm learning that keeping others at arm's length Keeps all of us separated from getting the kind of help that we need in the same way, our refusal to acknowledge our need for spiritual help keeps us in hiding, keeps us away from being washed by grace. And so what might it be for you? For some of us, it's keeping that secret sexual struggle in the dark, trying to manage it yourself. For some of us, it's keeping the discord and the distance in our marriage hidden from others and refusing to ask for help. For some of us, it's, it's hiding those ongoing doubts, those struggles to believe that we've carried for years because we're afraid of what someone might think if they knew. And all these places and more refusing to ask for help keeps us in hiding and keeps us from grace. So when we say to the Lord, I don't need your help, we miss out on his grace. The second error that Peter exemplifies is found in the next verse. And as Peter does so often, he swings the pendulum from one extreme to the other. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And here, I think he's saying something like, well, Lord, I know I can't stay clean, so we've got to do this all over again, all over me. I was reminded of one old church theologian who taught that uh, when we become a Christian, it's as if we're implanted with a gold coin in our souls. But every time that we sin, we get a smudge on that coin. Therefore, we must constantly be polishing our coins, making sure that they stay shiny and clean, using our religious practice to make things right again. Friends, that version of Christianity is a lie from the pit of hell. But many of us live as if it's true, trying to make sure that we clean ourselves up when we feel that we've gotten too dirty. Living as if my sin is greater than his grace. Relying on activity and discipline and religious checklists to make ourselves clean once again. We can see something of ourselves in these two errors that Peter makes. But just as Jesus gently corrects Peter, saying, you don't understand now, but afterwards you will. He wants us to know what it is to be truly washed by grace. And so we see two errors here, but we also see two solutions. That is that being washed by the grace of Jesus is both necessary and sufficient. Verse 8, the washing of grace is necessary. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Quite simply, friends, this is the only way. Jesus is the only way because nothing and no one else is strong enough to cleanse you. The dirt of sin is too strong to cleanse ourselves. And we have a running joke in our house that Michelle and I have two different understandings of what it is for something to be clean. And this gets evidenced anytime the vacuum comes out or there's dusting or sweeping to be done. And so recently, uh, a drink got spilled on the carpet. And I, in uh, all of my uh, husband's servanthood, jumped up to clean. And I grabbed some paper towels lay them over the spill, let them soak it up, wipe it up, and throw them away. Proud of myself, I tell Michelle that I've taken care of things. She looks at the carpet, she looks at me, she looks at the carpet, says, are you serious? (laughs) So she goes to get the carpet cleaner and the thick rag, and she goes to work. After a couple of minutes, the carpet is actually clean. (laughs) Friends, for the stains of our souls, uh, my paper towels are our self-efforts. They just don't quite get the job done. But Michelle's carpet cleaner and Michelle's elbow grease are like the grace of Jesus, necessary to actually make us clean. And not only is Jesus' washing by grace necessary, but it's also sufficient. Verse 10, Jesus says, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. That is, if you've been washed by grace, you have nothing left to prove to yourself, to the world, and most importantly, to God. You don't have to work for it anymore because you're completely clean. The verdict is sealed. The redemption accomplished. The adoption complete. The status is clean. Jesus' illustration here is that of a, a Palestinian walking to a dinner party. He starts out at his house, gets himself ready... Bathes, washes up and then walks down the road to a friend's house. Now upon arrival no one in their right mind would ask to take a bath when they got there. The washing at home was sufficient. The feet are dirty, yes and so it's necessary to have this foot washing upon arrival but another bath? Of course not. In the same way as we walk the roads of life our feet are dirtied by our sin and we need The ongoing foot cleansing that we receive through confession and repentance. But friends, one bath is enough. On your good days and on your bad days, your good months and your bad months, your good years and your bad years, you are clean. How is it that this washing can be both necessary and sufficient? As Jesus told Peter, pointing to the events of the day to come afterwards, you will understand Because you see, our biggest problem isn't the physical dirt that we accumulate. It's the dirt of sin on our souls. And it's not this physical water that makes us clean, but it's the blood of the Lamb of God shed on the cross that will make you white as snow. And so the sacrificial serving points to the sacrificial dying of Jesus. The washing of feet points to the washing of our souls. So friend, tonight are you washed by grace. This passage is an invitation to become a Christian. It's a call to bathe yourselves in the only blood that can make you clean. In that room of 12, there was one who had not yet been washed. One who'd been walking with Jesus for three years and had not been made clean. And so in a room this size, we dare not presume that all have been washed by grace. But the invitation is before you. Take a bath in the blood of Jesus. Come out of hiding. Relinquish your own cleanup efforts and bathe in his grace because you must be washed by grace. Now, not only does this passage invite you to become a Christian by being washed by his grace, but it also calls you to live as a Christian. Remember that your identity must match your activity. And so those washed by grace... Wash others with grace. Secondly, tonight, we see that we must wash others with grace. We must follow Jesus' example of washing. Verses 14 and 15, he says, You also ought to wash one another's feet. You also should do just as I have done to you. You see, the evidence that you've actually been washed is that you go forth and do the same for others. Verse 17, he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, friends, in our tradition, we're often better at the knowing than the doing. So how are we doing at washing others with grace? How am I doing? Am I serving as I've been served? Because if I'm honest, I find it far easier to fill the sink with dirty dishes than to empty it. I find it far easier to read an article about religious trends in our society than to talk with my neighbor about what he believes about God. I find it far easier to read an article about uh, struggling schools in our city than to take an opportunity to go and serve a struggling student. I'm a lot better at sending a perfunctory email than paying a visit to a friend that I know is struggling. I'm a lot better at being like the disciples Staring at the basin and towel, waiting for someone else to pick them up and get to work. Knowing our identity as those who've been washed leads us to seek out ways to wash others with the grace of Jesus that we have come to know. So, what does it mean to wash feet? Here, the picture of foot washing illustrates the kind of service that our Lord performs over and over. It's dirty. It's uncomfortable. Selfless service for the unwashed. Entering the mess of people's lives, doing what no one else wants to do. Seeking out people who are unclean, who are dirty, who are outcast in the eyes of society. Making people feel welcome and letting them know that they too have a seat at the table. So with your family or with your roommates, maybe washing someone's feet means giving up your leisure time and doing the chore that someone else didn't have time to do. Unloading the dishwasher, changing that diaper, doing the dishes, or cutting the grass. Your home fellowship group, maybe foot washing, means staying an hour after group ends, listening to what's going on in the life of a brother or sister, praying for them. Maybe it means making room for someone who feels like an outsider, helping them to feel at home. Maybe being a foot washer means entering into the mess of your next door neighbor's marriage with the grace and patience of Jesus. Maybe it means helping a coworker in a way that's going to get you no credit with the boss. In our city, maybe being a foot washer means going to the places in our city that we sometimes like to pretend don't exist. Bringing the grace of Jesus to a single mother with an unplanned pregnancy volunteering to help at a school that's a lot worse than the one that your kids go to maybe it's simply taking the time to stop and listen to the experience and perspective of someone who's much different than your own in this world maybe being a foot washer means spending time in a place where people's feet are actually dirty bringing medical care a word of encouragement a box of bibles Washing with grace those who know the dirt of this world up close and personal. Friends, whatever it is that Jesus might be calling to you, we're meant to get down and dirty, and we're meant to do so as those who know that we too have been washed by grace. Jesus makes dirty people feel loved, struggling people feel comforted, weak people feel cared for, and so too can we if our souls are washed by his grace. For Jesus, his activity was motivated by his identity. He knew that he was beloved by his Father and he served out of that love. We're called to function in the same way. Our identity as those who have been washed with grace must lead us to wash others. So what's the key to living this way for the long haul? There's an old story that tells about Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire. And once he had captured a prince and his family. The family came before him. The monarch asked the prisoner prince, What will you give me if I release you? Half of my wealth was his reply. And if I release your children, everything that I possess. What about if I release your wife? The prince stopped. He said, Your majesty, I will give myself. Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he freed them all. As they returned home, the prince said to his wife, Wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? With a look of deep love for her husband, she said to him, You know, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who was willing to give himself for me. Friends, Jesus gave all of himself for those that he loved. He served his people to the end, to the very last breath. He loved by laying down his life, completely pouring himself out. The one who had stood the tallest from eternity past, stooped the lowest on this Monday, Thursday night. Jesus is the Philippians 2 kind of Lord, the one who did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the one who knew the glories of heaven came to wash the filthy feet of those that he loved here on earth. And people like us, who aren't even worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandal, he stoops to wash our feet. So friends, let's keep our eyes on him. Amen. And Jesus, we are grateful to come before you this night, grateful to remember the promise of your love and grace. And we ask now that we would be washed by that grace. We would be doing a deep work in our souls that leads us to reach out with that grace to others. So come and meet with us here. Fill our hearts with your love. In your precious name that we pray, amen.